Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, and welcome back to Believe in FSU Football. This is your host, Robbie Bagnardi. Today we have the UMass recap edition of Believe in FSU Football. Big win for the Knolls. Uh, three straight wins for the first time since the end of the 2017 season. Program seems to be on an upward swing after the rough, rough, uh, unforced start. But we're headed in the right direction. Um, two straight wins. Then the bye. Then we get the third straight before we go to Clemson next week with a chance to get back to 500. So that's obviously going to be a big game. Uh, I'll have the Clemson preview podcast later in the week. Um, probably won't touch on it a ton today, but I'll, I'll have a full episode about that. Obviously a big game for the Knowles. But before we get to that, big win over UMass, 59-3. to Came out and did our job. Uh, Coach Norvell after the game said, Today we did what we needed to do. We went out and we dominated in a football game. So I think that's pretty, you know, frank and, and apt statement by Norvell. That's what we need to do more often, and especially against teams like UMass. Came out and we dominated the way that we're supposed to dominate, you know. I talked about it where we kind of we had a close win, then we had a comfortable win, then a bye week to get healthy, get rested, then we come back and we have a, a blowout win. Now we go on the road to one of the tougher opponents on our schedule. So just everything kind of seems to be rolling and pointing in the right direction right now, which is huge after the way the season started. You know, the mood of the fan base has really changed as well. It's pretty apparent, especially on social media, how people feel about the Knowles and the confidence that we've gathered over the last few weeks. Um, You see it in sports media as well. People are talking about FSU starting to be on an upswing maybe putting Clemson on upset alert at Clemson this week, which I think is a winnable game for us. Um, but I think to assume that we would win is definitely premature. But nonetheless, big win came out and dominated against UMass the way we were supposed to. Game got off to a bit of a rocky start. Um, Travis J fumbled the opening kickoff and UMass recovered. I kind of talked about that a little bit on the podcast when I walked through like how I thought the game would go where we might do something early where we allow them to score. And it seems like they're in it. UMass had a three point lead at that point uh, after the kicker hit a 45 yard field goal. And then it was all Florida state from there. Uh, (laughs) 59 unanswered points. That's kind of an unreal number, but like I said, did our job came out and dominated. Uh, We covered the spread. We were favored by 35 and a half. We won by 56 and we hit the over. The over, I believe, was 59.5 points. We scored six, a game at 62 total. So if you're uh, betting on the Knolls, just a little history from this game. Um, we, we scored out of eight. We scored on eight out of ten drives. I think that's really impressive. And we were also six for six in the red zone, and five out of those six trips resulted in touchdowns. That's huge, too. Converting and executing in the red zone is really what makes a successful football team when you can convert those opportunities where you've driven down the field. 
Um, I've mentioned previously that I'm a Giants fan, so watching a lot of Giants games, they kick a ton of field goals because they can't convert and they can't execute in the red zone. And even teams that are productive that can move the ball up and down the field, if you keep coming away with field goals instead of touchdowns, it gets hard to win games because you're essentially wasting drives when you're not converting. So we did a great job converting on our red zone trips and making sure that we get six points instead of three. That was spearheaded by the rushing attack, five rushing touchdowns by five different players. Um, have more on that later. But great performance by our offensive line and by our running backs in Jordan Travis as well, who's always a factor in the run game. We also matched the season high at 38 points that we scored against Notre Dame. We matched that in the first half. And most of it happened in the second quarter. Game got caught and off to kind of a slow start. But we really took off once we uh, started to settle in a little bit. Uh, 365 total rush yards. That's the most in a couple years. And it is the sixth time we've gone over 200 yards in seven games this season. So definitely a, a rushing dominant team. And that's something that, again, that I talked about finding our identity, establishing our identity. And since game one, like we've been a run team. I think it took a little bit too long for us to figure that out, which is kind of disappointing. And I think Jordan Travis being hurt for a little bit and then coming back and getting more integrated into the run game and really getting healthy, I'm sure, too, is a factor. That's going to help our run game and our run numbers a ton, getting him involved and keeping him involved. And then obviously the emergence of Treshawn Ward and the solidification of Deshaun Corbin as lead backs. You know, those guys are really, really toted the rock well this year. They really just carried this football team. Um, the offensive line has done way better run block, one run blocking as well. Also only gave up one sack against UMass. Not great against, you know, a team like UMass, but for what FSU fans have watched from our offensive line in the past few years, like one sack, uh, take it. That's whatever. And a, and a Eight touchdown win. Uh, I can handle one sack. We win, we win by that much. We also have two interceptions on defense. Defense played pretty well. We held them to 241 total yards, 129 pass, 112 rush. And 60 of their 112 rush yards came from their backup quarterback in garbage time. So that's, again, kind of like whatever. It's, you know... Not going to sweat over it. They didn't end up scoring any points anyways. Uh, turnovers as well. We forced a fumble. Then there was also the Jamie Robinson pick six in the end zone. That was big. That was probably UMass's best chance to score throughout the game. I actually called that one sitting in the stands. I was like, we're going to get an interception right here, and we're going to get the ball back, and we're going to go down and score. And we did exactly that. So shout out Jamie Robinson for manifesting my FSU wishes. And then Jarvis Brownlee, who dropped what looked like it would have been a pick six previously in the game. Ball hit him in the chest, and there was nobody in front of him, man. Like, he had a clear path to the end zone had he caught that ball. But nonetheless, redeems himself, manages to get a 70-yard pick six later in the game. Um, I believe that's our first turnover that resulted in a touchdown this year, so that's cool. 14 points off turnovers total for the game. Also cool. 
FSU, you know, creating turnovers is a big thing. Uh, we did have the Travis J fumble in the opening kickoff, but we still won the turnover margin, so that's good. And uh, only three penalties for 41 yards on the day. So, again, just discipline from the football team, not turning over the ball a ton, uh, not giving up a lot of negative plays, not giving up a ton of penalties, ton of penalty yardage, uh, just being a more disciplined unit that's going to help you in football games. And I think we've done a really good job of that after the first couple games, really. Um, maybe even the first three, we really started to settle in a little bit more. Um, and something Jordan Travis said after the game kind of struck me about the culture of this team. He said, we're brothers. Last year, you would not see this at all. Guys like seeing other guys make plays, and that's what's so special about this team. So Travis just kind of speaking on the way that the teams become more close-knit and that type of rapport and relationship in between your team and them really being a team and not just a bunch of guys playing football together is a huge difference. That that That's the type of energy and the cohesion and support that you play with. Those types of things when you trust your teammates make your whole team better. You function as a team and a like real meaning and emphasis behind that word. I think that's something that our culture has lacked the past few years, and it's great to see that really making a comeback and us more so solidifying ourselves as that culture that we want to see within our program. I've talked about previously kind of what the recruiting pitch is of the fit and family and and how much Norvell emphasizes getting the right people the right kids into this program so it's big to really see that actualizing and to hear players speak about it in a positive manner um, especially from a guy who's a leader on your team and your starting quarterback and back to the defense <laughs> the defense recap that I was doing we had four sacks on the day. Marcus Cushney, who we haven't seen a ton of this year, had one and a half. So that's pretty cool to see. Would like to see him get a little bit more burn as a pass rusher. Um, Jermaine Johnson didn't do a ton, but I don't think he took a ton of snaps either. wasn't really imperative for him to, to do so with the way that we dominated that game. Uh, secondary, I felt like they played well again. They didn't really give up a ton of pass yards. Thought they were relatively sticky in coverage. Did their job. Like I mentioned, the two interceptions should have been three. Um, just solid performance by them. Really nice to see them taking steps forward. Going and go, going into Clemson, who struggled offensively this year and doesn't score a ton. Hopefully, that momentum carries over. Um, I feel like we could gash more than anything by quarterbacks who are run or, or RPO guys. We kind of struggle to contain them. We saw that against Wake Forest. We saw that against Syracuse. Uh, saw it against UMass with their backup quarterback as well. We saw it against UNC with Sam Howell. He ran for over 100 yards on us. Clemson doesn't really have a guy like that at quarterback right now, either their backup or their starter. Both those guys are bigger, more strong-arm pocket passers. I'm not even going to mess with the pronunciations of their names. So there's going to be, I guess, calling them the starter and the backup isn't really clear right now either. I didn't even think about that. DJ and, and Tyson, 
yeah, again, not going to mess with the pronunciation of the last names. If you haven't seen the last names of Clemson's quarterbacks and the absolute jumble of letters that they are, please go look them up and just try to take the time to pronounce them because I'm not going to not gonna disrespect those kids and their names by butchering them on here. It's, it's not fair. I don't know how to properly pronounce them, so I won't mess with it. Back to some names that I do know for the Knowles, though. Jordan Travis played fairly well on the day. He had nine nine carries for 78 yards, eight, 8.7 yards per carry. That's pretty impressive, a touchdown. And he also had the long run on the day of 39 yards. Um, Lawrence Tofield, he also had a 38-yarder. Uh, not super impressive in the past game, 5 for 10 of 123, but, you know, uh, you'll take the production. I know Pokey Wilson dropped a pass in the red zone too. I think that's the only incompletion that really like stands out to me. Uh, 586 total yards to the Knowles and 9.8 yards per play. We're also 6 for 9 on third down. Uh, going back to the red zone conversions, third down conversions are kind of in the same vein. Teams that can stay on the field in those big money downs, like that's big key to a successful football team and a successful offense and how consistently you move the ball. So six for nine on third down, you like to see that. Plus it's a funny number, so that's cool. Uh, 221 pass yards on the day. I mentioned Jordan Travis going five for 10 with 123. Chubba Purdy. It was Chubba time, 5 for 5, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Really good day for him. Uh, He looked comfortable and poised in the pocket. He threw the ball well. Kind of what you expected to see from him to a degree. Maybe not quite as efficient and effective, but, you know, the arm strength was there. You can tell that he throws a nice ball, uh, that he's getting more comfortable in the pocket. So it was nice to see him get some playing time um, and actually – be able to throw the ball a little bit. Tate, Ro- Tate Roadmaker played a little bit as well, but he pretty much just handed off the ball to Ja'Kai Douglas. FSU's rushing attack was potent until Ja'Kai Douglas got the ball. Six carries for eight yards for him. Not great, but like I mentioned, Travis already nine for 78 and a touchdown with the long run of the day. Jayshon Corbin, again, over 100 yards, 11 carries. Only 11 carries for 127. Averaged 11 and a half yards of carry. Also tacked on a touchdown. Lawrence Toffili. There was a Lawrence Toffili sighting this weekend. He kind of has been lost in the mix a little bit. I don't know if it's been injuries or what the deal has been. Obviously, Corbin and Ward have played really well. But it was nice to see Lawrence Toffili get some touches and make some stuff happen. Four, only four carries, but 63 yards, a touchdown, and average 15.8 yards per carry. That's you know that's pretty solid. It's only like only a first down and a half per carry, no big deal. But yeah, big big game for Lawrence Tofili. Nice to see him get the ball in his hands and make some stuff happen again. Maybe gets a little more integrated into the mix as the season goes. I'd imagine that Ward and Corbin still get the bulk of the carries. I wouldn't be surprised if Jayshon Corbin is an NFL prospect after this after this year. He will be draft eligible. Um, I think right now he's probably a mid-round guy, but to be honest, as a running back, the way that that position goes, the way that it's valued at the NFL, and the fact that generally most running backs are mid-round guys, I think it's possible it could make sense for him to declare this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him go. 
Um, you know, capitalize on your value in a tie. He's been really good this year. Um, running backs, that workload and longevity is big. So if you can get years in the NFL that you don't have to spend in college, you know, one, it's money, and that's big. You know, you make a lot more money playing in the NFL than you do in college football, even with the NIL changes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Corbin leave, but like I said, wouldn't be surprised to see him stay. I would like to see him stay, you know, selfishly, but I think that he is very much a capable NFL prospect, and I expect to see him probably in that three to five round range. I think he's a guy who will test well at the combine. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's really well built. I think he's has a lot of the things that you look for in NFL running back. So like I said, wouldn't be surprised to see that. And that could lead to Lawrence Tofili getting some more carries next year. Obviously, it doesn't speak a ton to this season, but just projecting uh, his future with the program. I think LT's a little more similar to Trisha. I don't know. They're all really different running backs. Um, LT's bigger, no, bigger, taller than Ward is and is kind of an elusive guy, isn't much of a straight-line speed guy. He's not slow, but not a burner. Um, Corbin's probably the fastest of all the running backs. Well, maybe Ja'Kai Douglas, talking about just in a straight line. Um, Corbin's probably the fastest and the biggest. DJ Williams, who also had four carries for 31 yards and a touchdown. Pretty sturdily built guy. More of the shortened, stockier type of running back. I don't know why I just got into breaking down all the running backs' play styles and frames. But in case you were curious about the breakdown of the running back room, we have a really good one. FYI, if you haven't noticed, running back core is pretty solid. Jordan Travis does a lot of things running the ball too, so that makes it even harder to handle. We're going to have good running backs for this year. We're going to have good running backs the next couple of years. Um, I know we have Rodney Hill committed not sure if we're going to take any other running backs. No, we're, we're recruiting Javante Barnes out of Las Vegas. That dude's an absolute stud. He's a freak. He's probably one of the better running backs in the country. Be a huge get for us. But running back room, the future and the current is bright and talented. On to the receivers. Cam McDonald had the most catches on the day with three. We only completed 10 passes, so, you know. But Cam, three catches, 28 yards, touchdown. Nice to see him get a touchdown. He plays tough. That's another guy who I think is probably an NFL player, mid another more than likely mid-round guy, but he could be one of those players who's more productive in the NFL than he is in college just because of the way that he gets used. Um, we don't use him a ton in our passing attack. Works his butt off, you know. Cam McDonald's a good dude. Like to see him do well. Like to see him find the end zone for six. Malik McLean had, he was our, I think he was our second leading receiver on the day. Andrew Parchment had a couple of catches. Kind of interesting to see that he didn't come in until later in the game with some of the second team offense, but had a couple of catches, made a couple of big plays. But Malik McLean, one catch, only one catch, but for 51 yards. You know what it came off of? Shallow crosser. May or may not have talked about, you know, the cross routes and the drag routes and the slant routes in the past and getting the ball in your playmaker's hands in space. May have mentioned those things before. 
but nice to see Malik McLean be able to make plays with the ball in his hands in space, show off his athleticism. He's a really phenomenal prospect. I'm excited to see how his career goes, especially as we're able to get him the ball more. Um, I think the only part of his game that probably is like still really developing is that, you know, the ball skills and the route running. So being able to give him easy routes and just let him work with the ball in his hands is huge. This was a fun game to watch overall. The defense played well. Offense played really well. We executed. We were consistent all throughout. We played relatively physical. It's a good game. It was a clean game. Just we've been waiting for one of these for a while, you know, especially after losing to an FCS team earlier in the year, and we've struggled with FCS teams recently. We've been waiting for a laugh or where we really feel like Florida State football, where we look up there and we're like, yeah, that's how that score is supposed to be against a team like this. So been waiting for one of those for a while. It finally came. Hopefully that keeps us rolling, continues building confidence. The game as a whole, I kind of hit it the nail on the head, going to gloat for just a second. In the last podcast, I was like, don't worry about throwing the ball. Run the ball until they stop you. And that's exactly what we did. We ran the ball until they stopped us, and we did a really good job of it. And that should have been the game plan all the way. Forced them to stop the run, and they couldn't. Outside of Ja'Kai Douglas, just because he was, you know, got garbage time carries and didn't do much. Our lowest average on the day was Trayshawn Ward with 7.1 yards a carry. That's kind of nuts. Like Corbin averaged 11.5, Jordan Travis averaged 8.7, Lawrence Tofili averaged 15.8, Trayshawn Ward 7.1, and DJ Williams 7.8. I mean, that's, we got two dudes averaging a first yard or a first down every carry every time they touch the ball. Jordan Travis wasn't far behind. It's a really, really effective run game, you know, and I've talked about our identity is stopping the run and running the football and that we can win games being a physical team and dominating those two things. Because if you can run the football consistently, then you don't have to be one dimensional because you can use the play action pass and you can use the RPO game, which we also use the RPO a little bit against UMass. I like to see that we've integrated that more interesting to see that it, it took so long. You know, easy passes, getting the ball in your playmaker's hands in space, using the RPO game, running the ball, being physical, dominating the line of scrimmage is a big one, and I felt like we did a pretty good job of that this week. You know, it was a fun watch. We did a lot of the things that we were expected to do, which I think the past couple years and early in the season, we didn't do that. We haven't been meeting expectations. We haven't been up to the, the, the standard of what Florida State is. So it's nice to see us finally feel like we're getting back there to resemble more of what this program typically is. And huge props to Coach Mavell and his staff and what they've done in a relatively short amount of time, especially given the circumstances of the last season into college football given the pandemic and and how hard it's been to or I'm sure how hard it was to adjust last year during that you know being in your first year to school without getting a full offseason program not being able to have kids on campus not being able to work with your team in person the way you would have liked so for us to to come around and this year and even after the slow start get into our groove and we talked about I talked about when we finally beat Syracuse, how we might be able to learn from that win and continue, you know, build on that. And we've done exactly that. Going into a big game against Clemson, 
I think this is really a potential turning point for us in the season. I think every game we have left is winnable. You see, you know, UF's on a downswing. Um, Miami's on a downswing. You, uh, NC State just lost to Miami at Miami. Clemson's struggling this year. And I, I think that's another interesting thing, too, is that we see FSU on the climb with an upward trajectory. You know, we've gotten better as the year goes on. We've got a good recruiting class. And you see Miami and UF, you know, Miami's not, not meeting expectations at all this year, which I kind of expected. I didn't really think that they were as good as people thought they were. I thought that that was going to be a winnable game for us. Obviously, De'Eric King getting hurt is a huge loss for them. He's a really, really exciting player to watch. Um, kind of sad to see that he's not healthy, but can only, you know, do so much. Dude gets hurt, dude gets hurt, but... Regardless, Miami's struggling a little bit. UF struggling some. Um, both of them are not doing great in recruiting. They've had some of their top players decommit recently. Clemson has not found anything on offense. Their defense is still very talented. I think that's going to be a challenge for us, but haven't found much of anything on offense. So, again, that's something that bodes well for us and Boston College too. I thought that they were going to be a really good team before the year, and I think that they're still a very solid football team, uh, but them not having Phil Jerkovic hurts a lot. You know, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the country last year that people didn't really talk about. So having him out and having to go with a guy who's a former walk-on is probably not the ideal situation for them, but they're still over 500. Um, I think they're still a solid football team. But like I said, all the games on our schedule are winnable, but they're also all very much losable. Like These are all relatively talented teams that have a few wins this year. They know how to win football games. They've been there before. Um, I, I think FSU's probably starting to get hot at a good time, um, especially given how the rest of the teams on their schedule seem to be waning down the stretch. We seem to be going in the right direction. We seem to be on that uphill trajectory. So it's going to be a really fun rest of the season. I think. I don't think we'll, you know, I don't think we'll actually go eight and four, but the quest for eight and four continues, and we're three and four. A win against Clemson get us halfway there. So eight and four, here we come. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun rest of the season. It's been a fun past few weeks. FSU's playing better. FSU goes to Clemson. Uh, Clemson preview podcast coming later in the week, as always. Peace out and go Knowles. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.